Welcome to uh, all of our people engaging online or over at our other campuses. Welcome to any evacuees that maybe we have with us. We're praying for you as you're fleeing uh, storms and everything down there. Welcome to the 100 series. And I thought as we started with a number, oh, we start with maybe some more numbers. Okay, we'll play a little game here. This would be kind of like you can shout out like the price is right. And there's nothing to be won, but you, you can still participate. Uh, you don't know what these numbers mean. You might want to find out if you're on the other end of a camera. I can't hear you. You can still shout or whatever. And uh, so... Yeah, we'll just go. Like, what, what number you want to know about? Shout it out. 117, I heard it first. That is the number of baptisms in the last year at the Abingdon campus. 117 people saying, yeah, I want to go. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's pretty cool. All right, what do you got? For nine, I heard a nine out there. That is people who've attended Welcome to Mountain just in the last year, just at the Abingdon campus. 449 people. That's a lot of home shirts, right? People coming and being involved in our community here. What do you got? What do you want to hear? That was very kind of an angry uh, 207. Don't be angry about this. This is 207 people serving for the very first time ever at the Abingdon campus in the last year. All right, 207 people doing that. All right, what do you got? I'm not doing one. What do you want? Huh? 168, 168, 168 kids are coming. Every week, 168 kids are showing up over at our Abingdon campus. All right, what'd you say, 1150? Oh, okay. Uh, 1,150 people attending weekly at the Abingdon campus over the course of the last year. 1,150 people. That's pretty awesome. One. Okay. All right. It's the one-year anniversary of the Abingdon campus. Look at that. That's awesome. All right. Happy birthday to everyone at the Abingdon campus, and praise God for what he's done. All, all, you know, there's numbers, but those numbers represent stories of how God is working in the lives of people. And so uh, it's really cool to see that and celebrate one year. Well, as I said, we're starting a new series. It's called 100. And with that, many of you will recognize that we're in the realm of emojis. The excitement continues. Okay. Uh, maybe you've used this symbol before. As I understand it, it originated in an academic context. Like if you ace the test, teach right 100 on the top. Got them all right. Didn't lack a thing. And it can still use to mean like high achievement. It can also be used to say, I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it 100. I'm keeping true to myself. Or you might use it to say, hey, I'm with you 100%. I'm in. I'm fully and I support you. And it probably has 100, 100 other nuances as well that I don't know about because I'm old. But um, we're, uh, it's, it's a flexible thing. It's an emoji. We're going to be flexible with it over the next few weeks. Not so that we can improve our digital communication, like all the over 40 crowds and go, oh, I'm going to use that 100 thing. It'd be cool. And all the teenagers are like, I'm never using that again. Those old geezers. No, uh, we're, we're trying to, uh, tap into a language and a framework that can help us hear from God and, and know God and understand God and then realize how we're how we can respond. That's what we're trying to do every week. It's amazing. God calls us, invites us into a relationship with him that we can know him and have this kind of back and forth interchange and communion with him. And into this interface that we have with God, we're today bringing or being invited to bring everything that we've got. Like, like literally all we've got. 
all we've got in, in like all of our, our possessions, all we've got in a, in a net worth kind of sense, in a dollars and cents sort of a way. Like some of us have done, we, we know our net worth, we've, we've done a review of all of our, um, you know, all the nooks and crannies of our, our assets and liabilities, and we, we kind of know what our net worth is. This, this is what we've got. And I, I would bet that there's a lot of us that look, looked at something like this and said, oh, that's all we got. That's, that's not enough. In fact, I would bet very few of us have ever done a financial review and looked at something like this and said, look at all we've got. It's plenty. We don't need any more. And I would say no matter where you land on that, probably all of us would think of this kind of information, something that goes snooping around in our bank accounts and reveals how we handle our money. Like that's, that's private information, right? That's something that we keep to ourselves. That's, that's nobody else's business. We keep this information kind of under wraps, keep it safe, and, and like literally in a safe, in the dark, hidden away, right? Um, and here's the thing. We, uh, in our relationships with people, we can have lots of good relationships, strong, close relationships with lots of people and never expose this type of information. You just, you keep it to yourself. You don't talk about what you make uh, or, or reveal what you've got to other people. You just, you withhold that. You keep it in the dark and in the safe. And those relationships go swimmingly. You don't need to bring that out. You can have those relationships. What, what you do with your money is your business. You only talk about it with your mortgage broker, whoever does your taxes. It's like going to the doctor. Otherwise, you just keep it in the safe and in the dark, right? Which is why it's a little bit startling to be confronted with what is really the question of the day. Would you bring this part of your life into the light before God? All you've got. Could you allow the information that is represented here to, to be included in the interchange that you have with God, this relationship you have with God, however close or distant it might be, what, what, wherever you're at, okay, as you're figuring out how you and God are going to get on with one another, as you think about the next step you have to take wherever you're at on the journey, could this information be allowed out of the realm of the private and into an honest, real, keeping it 100 kind of dialogue between you and God? Now, it's interesting, there are select instances where this type of information, we, we do shed light on it. If you're going to apply for a loan, you want to buy a house or a car, or even if you're applying for food stamps, you bring this information out of the private realm and you let someone see it. You slide it across the table hoping that upon review, it will give you access to something that you think will make your life better, something that you want. If there's a reward to be gained, then we do let some light shine on this information. Here's another thought. There are some relationships, we'll call them, uh, can I say, covenant relationships, like a marriage, or even if you're going into business together, where uh, this kind of information, you, you pull back the curtain on it because it's a necessary thing to move the relationship forward. The relationship is on a trajectory. It's gotten closer and closer to this point as more and more information has been revealed by each person. And now it's clear that if the intimacy that we both desire from the, the, from the relationship is going to be achieved, well, then we have got to expose this kind of information. If we are going to see this relationship flourish like we both want it to, if we're going to glean from it the joy and the security and the blessing and the freedom that we both want out of this relationship, then we have got to be honest and bring everything we've got into the light. Could it be that our relationship with God is of this sort? 
Could it be that there is a reward to be gained, a blessing to be experienced, if we would trust God literally with all we've got? Now, it's clear by now that we're, we're talking about money, and uh, we're in church. So, you know, that, that's kind of on par with going to the doctor, like the proctologist for a lot of people. Um, a lot of hesitation and, and nervousness over that. Even some anger, like anger at the church talking about money. Some of you are already preparing the speech that you're going to give to the person you invited after. Like, it's okay, we don't always talk about this. You, you can come back, it's all right. Which I get it, you know, we all do. Well, I get it and I don't get it. What I mean to say is that I understand there have been uh, plenty of abuses on behalf of the church in the way that, that they've handled money or taught about money that are inexcusable, right? If we're uh, squeezing people, leveraging guilt to squeeze people for money or using manipulative tactics to get people to dig deeper into their wallets, I mean, all of that is totally out of bounds and not at all the way that God wants to communicate with us about money. Uh, so I get some uh, suspicion over a shady track record. But on the other hand, if, if you want a church that teaches the Bible, we got to talk about money. Because the Bible talks a ton about how we handle what we've got. It's a topic that God is very interested in. And not for all the reasons that you might think. But he does. He goes there. Okay? Bringing the truth about what you've got into the light before God is part of keeping it real with God. And that's the only way that God wants to keep it with the people that he made and loves. The Bible is very loud and clear about all of that. All we're doing is trying to let it speak. There's, there's no squeeze coming at the end of this, all right? There's no, we're not going to lock the doors and do a shakedown, all right? We're not launching a campaign today. There's times to rally everyone and, and do something awesome like that, but this is just, that's not what this series is about. Now, from, from the perspective of the church, if I could speak for the church for a moment, bringing uh, the truth about what we've got into the light before God has everything to do with what it can do for you. It's not about what the church can get from you. This is the opportunity for all of us to, to realize the, the richness, and I mean that in the fullest sense of the word, the richness that is available to all of us if we will come into the light with more of who we are before God and trust him with everything that we got. Now, you keep being, skeptic, keep being skeptical, and I'll keep talking, and, and we'll all figure out if, if God is saying anything worthwhile. But I, I think it's worth the risk, because don't we all, don't we all want a little more peace and less stress? in this area. <laughs> I mean, about every one of us is dissatisfied in some way with what we've got in the bank or what we've got in the safe. And, and who, uh, who among us hasn't experienced some kind of pain where how we handle money and possessions is right at the heart of it? Uh, there's not many things that sting more than financial regret, you know, regret over mistakes you've made in that area. You think about opportunities lost and foreclosures and bankruptcies and poor investments or impulse buys. It just drains the account. It sucks the life out of you as well. Uh, debt mounts and then increases tension, which then attacks every relationship that you have, and it damages the ones that are most important to us, all because our relationship with this is out of whack. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to worry about money? If this could be a source of joy, something that gives life and not a source of pain and a point of contention. Wouldn't it be awesome that, like, no matter what it said at the bottom of, of this, like, in this area of our life, if, if we scored 100, it, no matter what this says down here, that we just knew we did it, we did it well, we did it right, we weren't lacking anything. That'd be great. Well, there's a place that I think we can start. 
there's a move that I think we can make, that I invite us all to make today. And uh, it's just to first try to see God for who he is. That's all we want to do today. Just to see God for who he really is. God wants to keep it real. So what is God really like? Like if God were to text you and say, I'm keeping it 100, what would that mean? I don't think that we'll be able to handle money unless we can see God for who he is. Financial problems won't be solved. We won't have a healthy relationship with money, I don't think, until we're able to see God for who he is. You'll never be able to tolerate the church talking about money unless you can see God for who he really is. We've got to see him keeping it real if we're going to keep it real with regard to money and our relationship with God if we're going to trust him with all we've got. So the scriptures will be helpful to us. If you've got a Bible, you, you may want that out, or you got it on your phone, go ahead and bring it up. I'll put some things on the screen as well. We're going to be kind of uh, looking at a bunch of different snapshots of God throughout the Bible. It'll kind of be like you're, you're scrolling through your phone, looking at pictures. Right? And the first one, if you're going to look for God, the first uh, picture of God that we get really uh, looks something like this. This is, this is what God's doing, okay? When you open up the Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 24 and verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's a pretty comprehensive claim. God owns it all. It all belongs to him. Not to boast, just, just keeping it real. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Everything that shows up on a balance sheet or a bank statement belongs to God. Everything that's stuffed in a garage or tucked away in a safe Belongs to God. And that can be a little bit disorienting uh, to understand because it's like, uh, I was pretty sure I own some stuff. <laughs> like, I got my name on some stuff. Like, this, for one, like, I got my name on this. I use this to spend the money I make, which is why I keep it protected and tucked back here. And I don't talk about money with anyone, but th- this is how I get this stuff that, that I need. And I've worked hard to get the stuff that I have. And that is the essence of the game that we all play, right? I mean, life is about what I can get my hands on, what I can lay claim to. I mean, without even thinking about it, without even being taught, really, there, there is something in us that instinctually grabs onto stuff and says, mine. I got five young kids in my house. It happens all the time. Sometimes it's me saying, mine. We, we just... We do. We start believing we can own stuff before we can walk. And the world we grow up in is 100% designed to reinforce that belief. With enough money, all this could be yours. Everywhere we look, we're being sold products. But more than that, we're being sold the idea that we can actually claim possession of things. And that sounds like a wonderful idea, especially if you're holding lots of things. It's just entirely at odds with the picture of God we see in the Bible. So as I said, it can be a little disorienting to try to go from, well, I thought this was my stuff, but no, but apparently it's God. Well, I've got to make one more move if we're going to get reoriented. I need, need some help with this. I need a guy who has a wallet in his back pocket. Actually, Carlos, you game for this? All right, come on up here. Come on up here. This, uh, yeah, you can keep it in your back pocket for now. Yeah, come on all the way up on the stage. Yeah, 
This reminds me, I was in a position like yours. Some magician asked me to come up on stage. I had to give him 20 bucks, but no. Anyway, I'm not doing that. I'm not a magician. You just stand right there, Carlos. You can welcome Carlos. Like, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like he did anything yet, but anyway. No, uh, you're going to be you, and uh, I'm going to play the part of, uh, of God. I'm sorry. Just go with it, all right? Uh, now, we're, we're like this because God wants a relationship with his people. And you've got your wallet, your money in your back pocket, which is a typical posture for most of us because we have this relationship with God, but we keep the, our money kind of out of view of that. We don't bring that out into the open with God. We kind of keep that tucked behind. We might come to God for a lot of things, and God meets us where we are, but we keep what we've got tucked and hidden in a private place out of view. Then we see this picture of God, and we realize, like, he owns it all. In fact, God's like, you know, I mean, I made you. You're mine. Give me your wallet. (laughs) Yeah, no, keep that on you. You Don't lose it. This is mine. And it does start to feel like a shakedown, right? It's like, you're like, I just got robbed by a preacher. Classic. Yeah. All right? But you got to keep watching. You got to see things for as they really are. Because when you look, this is what you see. Carlos, you belong to me. I made you and I love you. You're mine. And this, this is mine. Use it well. Go in peace. Thanks, Bob. When we can see God for who he really is, the owner of everything, then we can see ourselves for who we really are, stewards. That's who we are, stewards. We don't own anything, but God, because he loves us, And because he is gracious to us, he puts things into our hands to manage. And he says, manage it well. Steward it for my good purposes. Now, keep it real. Don't mistake yourself for the owner, but live out your true identity as a steward with however much or little I put into your hands. Now, about uh, about the what God puts into our hands part, there's another image of God we need to see. See in several places in the Bible, and it looks uh, it looks like this. Now, if you know the Bible, you might recognize this as Jesus. Uh, several occasions where he found himself with a huge crowd of people, like five thousand people or more, and no one had an answer to the question, "How are we going to feed all these people?" And that's when Jesus gathered a few loaves and fishes and just started doling it out to everyone that was there, and it just kept coming, and he kept giving, and everyone that was. Everyone that was there ate and had their fill. Not to mention the baskets of leftovers that were picked up afterwards. No one knew where it came. Every time you look at Jesus, he just kept giving out more and more. Now, if you have a sharp eye, you say, you say, I've seen this before. You would recognize in Jesus the same God that in the Old Testament with his people, when they were in the wilderness, he provided for them manna, bread from heaven, and meat day after day for years. They're out in the wilderness, austere conditions, stark reality, unfruitful land, but yet God is there providing, giving, blessing his people day after day, year after year. 
Now, those two examples are widely known by people who've never even read the Bible. That's how wide God's reputation as a generous blesser, an endless giver has gone. Likewise, Psalm 23, most people know that. They've heard it before. It tells the story of a guy who has a real relationship with the real God, and he testifies, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Rest, guidance, refreshment, nourishment, goodness, love, all gifts from the hand of the Lord. In fact, my cup overflows. That's who God is, providing generously blessing. But we can't see that picture because we're so browbeaten with scarcity. This fear that there won't be enough and I gotta clutch and scrape for everything that I can makes me start viewing other people as competitors instead of humans. I've gotta get more than them. And I get so used to relying on myself to take and provide and wrestle enough stuff into my lap that I can only see God as stingy, distant, disinterested, so I better keep on the business of getting what's mine. And again, our world is 100% designed to reinforce that belief. It's just 100% at odds with the image we get. Of God. Because every time I look at God, every time I see God, He is giving and blessing and providing more and more and more. Even, even in the the scarcest of moments. God's people in the Old Testament, they lived in Jerusalem, they had their city destroyed, not by a hurricane, but by an army that came in and destroyed their city, took their livelihood, and as they're looking for God in the midst of that, they see his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. And I can tell you, those are not just words on an ancient page for me. I've seen it. I have seen God's faithfulness. I've experienced it in my life. God has given what I don't deserve in in ways that I couldn't predict or, or, or even expect. And in tons more ways than just money, wisdom and comfort and strength and guidance, conviction. And this room is full of people who would say the same thing. Amen. There's one. When we can see God for who he really is, a generous blesser, an endless provider, then we have the opportunity to be grateful, to live with gratitude. That's keeping it 100 with God, to live with gratitude. This reminds me of something that I say to my kids quite often, sometimes in a calm, measured tone, sometimes out of frustration. I'll give you the calm version. Uh, Stop complaining about what you don't have and start being grateful for what you have. And every time I say that to my kids, I hear God saying it back to me. Yeah. Because the truth is, if, if I'm keeping it real, no matter how much I have ever had or however little I have ever had, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the only thing I really could ever say is the same thing Paul says when he's writing to the Philippians. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. And Paul had been through some pretty scarce situations. I'm amply supplied and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, about this last part, if you're still not sure, you're, not, you're struggling to believe that God will meet all my needs. There's one more picture you need to see of God. 
And it's, um, I'll give you the G-rated version because we're in church, right? But it looks like this. This is the picture that God is posing for in John chapter 20. And Jesus is gathered with his followers there. Now, Jesus had, had died as everyone had seen. But then he was raised to life as some of them had seen. Everything that God wanted to do to, re, to restore the earth and break the power of sin and death in the world, he was doing in Jesus, or so it seemed, until Jesus died. And, and his dreams and hopes of his followers died. I mean, you thought you've had a bad day? They were crushed. Hope. I guess God isn't who he says he is. I guess God didn't come through. I guess there are limits to God's power and faithfulness, and he must have forgotten about us. That's the only picture they could see of God. That's the only picture of God that one of his followers, Thomas, would believe until or unless he could, with his own two hands, put them in the place and touch the wounds of his Lord Jesus and realize, verify for himself that God has come through. Hope was not lost. And that's when Jesus comes and appears among them and he says to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. We serve a God who says, touch me. Try me. A God who is not afraid, who is, who is totally willing to say, put me to the test. Try me. I've overcome the grave. I am not worried about the difficulties that you are facing or the things that you think you're lacking. Try me. It's like another image of God. You remember in the Old Testament, the, the providing manna and meat in the desert for his people? Well, in the middle of that, Moses doubts God. And God says to Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Like, is this what you see when you look at me? Like, my arm is not long enough to reach out and provide the things that I said I would provide? I will show you. You will see if I'll do the thing that I said I was going to do for you. I'll show you, God says. I don't mind being put to the test. You got the wrong picture of me in your head, which I guess is fine, I suppose, except that it's keeping you from keeping it real. It's keeping you from doing the only thing that you have to do. Trust. Trust. You're worried about your livelihood. So am I, says God. I will take care of your livelihood. I will supply all your needs. You just trust me with all you've got. You want more peace and less stress about all of this. You just trust me with all you've got. I'm always keeping it 100, says God. Everything that you see, there is nothing that you see that I do not own. There is no void that you feel that I cannot fill and overflow. I have made promises to you, and you can put me to the test. You just trust me with all you've got. When I can see God for who he really is, then I know how to always keep it 100 with regard to money. That is to say, when you look at me, you will see a trusting, grateful steward. Does that describe you? A trusting, grateful steward. You think about your attitudes toward money and and what you do with it. Are are you a trusting, grateful steward? 
no matter how much or how little God has put into your hands? Are you a trusting, grateful steward with whatever God has provided? Not to, to get some help and, and show what that looks like, a guy named Paul, he wrote much of the New Testament, and he was writing to a church leader named Timothy, and he said to him, command those who are rich in this present world not to be, well, just wait, um, nobody thinks they're rich. No, nobody that's listening to me right now thinks that they're rich, okay? I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you otherwise. Just, just put some perspective from what we live in the richest nation that the world has ever seen. So, I mean, even our poverty is not like the world's poverty, okay? So, suffice it to say for now, he's talking to us, right? And he, he doesn't say to us, oh, it's a sin to be rich. You shouldn't have anything. You got to give it all away. No. He just says, well, well, don't be arrogant. I mean, don't put your hope in wealth. Why would you do that? It's so uncertain. But put your hope in God. Trust. Trust God. Who is God? He richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Of course he does. We can be grateful, and here's what stewardship looks like. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. You got a lot of money, do a lot of good. And be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is not a prescription for misery. This is an opportunity to take hold of a life that is free of worry and full of contentment and totally aimed toward the purposes of the God who owns it all anyway. He has laid claim to your life, and he wants to give you the life that is truly life. There's a reward to be gained. There is a relationship to be enjoyed. And what we have to understand is that what we do with what we've got is right at the crux of this relationship. This is not something that can be hidden out of view if we're going to enjoy the kind of real relationship God has designed for us. Because of who God is. Because of the relationship he wants to have with us. And because of how he wants us to enjoy that relationship. He says, you got to trust me with all you've got, a trusting, grateful steward. And this is not to make you feel guilty if that's not you. This is about helping all of us see that we are being offered the freedom to live as if God is real. We're being offered an opportunity to bring more of our life into the light before God so that he can teach us things we didn't know before. He can bless us in ways we've never experienced before. He can prove himself to us in ways that he never could before. He'll do that if you trust him with all you've got. I'm excited to, to share a story with you of uh, some people who are experiencing some incredible freedom in their lives generally and specifically with regard to finances. They, they could be described as trusting, grateful stewards, and they've chosen to let God shine his light in this area of their life, which hasn't always been pretty. But the, the practical step that, that they took to do that was participating in Financial Peace University, and this is the story that they have to tell. We're the Barrow family, and uh, we've been together since high school, and we've been attending Mountain since 2012. 
they were promoting Financial Peace University. We wanted to feel free. We wanted to see um, if God has blessed us and continued to bless us, why couldn't we give more? Why couldn't we be a better steward of what he gave us? As humans, we're so caught up in what will people think of me. That sort of limits us from taking a leap forward. But entering this class, we were in class with uh, lawyers, younger people, there were older people, retired people, and we were all there for one common goal, and that was to get rid of our debt and live a better life. The first week, your assignment is sort of to figure out how much debt do you have. We figured out we had about um, over $96,000 worth of debt. The second week, we're still riding this high up, we're going to take this class, we're going to get out of debt, and then Al loses his job. Initially, you're very bitter, uh, but the job loss was really a godsend because it allowed us to see, uh, for the first time, really where we were. It put everything in perspective for us. It was clear that God was the source, and his job was just a resource. And for us, we saw that this resource was taken away, but God was still providing. Within three weeks, he had another job, as well as us getting a severance. We were out of debt in about six months. And I know that might sound weird, but when you are intentional about your money and doing the budget, and God just blessed the situation. One of the rules that Financial Peace University teaches you is 80-10-10. So you tithe 10, you save 10, and 80% is, you know, for your your bills and all those other things. Looking at it on paper, we had more than enough, and we were just directing it in the wrong places every single time we, we were paid. It was always because I couldn't see where money was going, and it, for me, I had to see it. And to actually see that you're you're only giving away 10% uh, and you're blessing someone in the process, that for me was, uh, it was an eye-opener. And we started tithing even more and giving even sure. more money away sure. because for us, we could actually see what we can do with it and see the, the lives that it changed, the things that it's doing. The enlightening thing about Financial Peace University is we thought it was just going to be about finances. And we found that it was way more than that. It went deeper into just how to live a blessed life. This class not only changed our lives, I felt that um, it could change others' lives. I tell everybody about Financial Peace University. Even um, when people are telling me their their, their deep, dark secret about debt, I'm like, oh, you could change it, you could change it. And you can. With this class, you can change your life and live the free life that God has intended for us. Amen. I love that story. It's great. It's great to see it modeled like that. And, and maybe as you're thinking about uh, your next step, you know, place to, to try to get to a place of more freedom and less stress, better stewardship in this area, maybe that's exactly what you do. Take financial peace. This class is starting at all of our campuses this week, in fact. That's uh, a great way to bring, you know, all you've got into the light before God. Pay attention in the coming weeks. We start talking about estate planning workshops that will be coming to Mountain soon. That, that's a great opportunity to think about what it means to be a steward in a way that even lasts beyond your life. These are great resources. I've, I've participated in that myself. Uh, they, they help you put some great documents together and, and plans. And it's all free, okay? It, it's free. And newsflash, it's free to come back to church the next few weeks, all right? Hot deal, okay? We're in this 100 series just to get some practical, godly insight on how do we handle money well? How do we get our financial house in order? Again, there's no squeeze coming. Uh, Just trying to do this well. Maybe you'll take away, you'll ask yourself uh, some questions, like about evaluating your attitudes toward money. Is God's light shining on this area of your life, or are you keeping it in the dark? 
uh, does God have any say-so when it comes to you know, your, what, what you're holding on to? Or are you kind of got a tight grip and you're calling the shots there? Maybe you'll invite the perspective of someone else and you just ask them, like, does my life reflect that I'm living with gratitude? Or am I cranky, stingy, entitled? God commands us to be generous. Ask God, how do you want me to be more generous? Do something that has a global impact. Sponsor a child. Make, make your giving premeditated. Not just, oh, I might give on an emotional whim or something. But no, I mean, use the online tool to say, as a trusting, grateful steward, I'm just going to be intentional about it and plan it out. It's just going to happen. I'm going to put that in my life. The Geek Squad is here like you had to help you with that. If you need uh, instructions in that, there's cards in the seats and all of that. When you give, it's a way of leveraging resources according to the priorities of the owner. That's what stewards do. Okay? And that's what this church is about. We're just trying to be trusting, grateful stewards. Okay? We want to prioritize the mission and purposes of the owner and see that advance. Always being grateful for what and how God continues to provide, trusting that he will prove himself time and time again. We believe that God will always keep it 100. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the truth about who you are that we've seen today. Sometimes we don't always see it. And uh, we need to be reminded of your goodness, your, your power, your faithfulness, your love for us. Th- this is an area, as we think about you know, finance and, and bank accounts, that causes so much stress and pain and worry. And whether we find ourselves in a season of plenty or a season of uh, scarcity right now, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us and show us what it would mean in this moment to be a trusting, grateful steward. However much we have, however little we have, we just want to trust you and follow you on whatever our next step is. So encourage us, give us the confidence to bring our financial realities into the light before you. And be gracious with us, we know that you will. Instruct us, have your way with us, ultimately for your glory and what we trust will be our enjoyment and our pleasure as we go deeper into a relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we, uh, as we close our time today, I, I don't know where you've come, from where you've come, or where you feel like you're at uh, in this season of life. Maybe you've come carrying some heavy things in today, and you want to bring those to God. You want to come to God in prayer. There'll be people right down front ready to pray with you uh, right as the service concludes. And then uh, where that light is over there, it says MI5, that's Mountain in Five Minutes. If you're new around here and you're wondering, like, who are these crazy people, uh, we'd love to tell you and introduce the, the church to you. We have a gift for you as well. We can answer some questions. MI5 right, right over there on your way out. All right, let's close with some words from the scriptures. We've, we've heard some of this today already. I'll invite you to stand to your feet, and we'll close with these words from First Chronicles 29. This is when King David, if you know anything about the Bible, you may have heard of King David, pretty wealthy guy himself. He had all the people gathered there, and he just, he just wanted to kind of reorient everyone and give some proper perspective on who God is. And that's when he said, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. Go in peace.